is the last in our series that we are in right now, The Wisdom of Life, looking at different um, characters throughout the Bible. Today we're looking at the life of Jonathan. If you haven't been here for the last few weeks, you may not know we're in a narrative sermon series. So the way I'm going to present the sermon today is from the point of view of one of the characters of the Bible. And today it's going to be Jonathan's brother. So we're going to be hearing the story of Jonathan from Jonathan's brother. The story of Jonathan happens throughout 1 Samuel. I encourage you to read 1 Samuel. It's one of the most interesting books of the Bible. There's a lot that happens. You could make about 25 movies out of the things that happen in the book of 1 Samuel. But today we are going to be in 1 Samuel 23, or the scripture we're going to focus on is 1 Samuel 23, verses 14 through 18. Here's what the scripture says. David stayed in the wilderness, strongholds, and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him to find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and then Jonathan went home, but David remained in Horesh. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God indeed. I don't know if you have siblings. I don't know what your relationship is with your siblings, but I have to tell you, I have had a very, very strained relationship with my brother, Jonathan. Jonathan is somebody that I've had the hardest time coming to understand. Jonathan was born into something that most of us, most of us would die to be born into. See, Jonathan isn't just the first of eight children, which, you know, the first is always bossy and in charge, but he's not just that. Jonathan is also the firstborn son of a king. And in my world, the firstborn son of a king, well, he may as well be king himself. Because the firstborn son of the king is the one who will take over for the king. And our father Saul is so proud of Jonathan. Our father Saul has spent time in putting his life into Jonathan's life. Our father Saul has great plans for Jonathan. But Jonathan, (laughs) Jonathan, he has different plans, or he did. And as I look back on the life of my brother, this man who I struggled most of my life to understand, I think I'm finally getting it. I think it's finally becoming clear. This man, that is my brother, lived a life so much differently than I would have chosen for him. But, but, as I look back, I'm finally beginning to understand why that is. You see, as we were growing up together, Jonathan would make decisions that made no sense to me. Jonathan lived in a way that made no sense not only to me, but to our father and to the world in which we lived. I mean, my father Saul, he is the king of the Israelites, the very first king of the Israelites. Can you imagine what that's like? To be in charge of a whole group of people. 
in charge of their daily lives, what happens, how things come and how things go. It is so much power. Not only that, he was chosen by God to do it. He was so proud to do the work that he did. And I know it was important to him that Jonathan would step into his place to take over the work that God began in my father. And if you would ask any of our friends, any of those that we grew up with, what they thought Jonathan should do with his life, it was exactly what my dad thought he should do with his life. Follow in his footsteps. Make sure to live in a way so that he could become king one day. Isn't that what you would do if you were slated for the kingdom? Wouldn't you do everything that your dad laid before you? Wouldn't you do everything that the world expected of you? Because one day you'd be king. And as king, yes, there's pressure. And it's not easy. But you're king. And being where I am in the birth order, I'm never going to get to be king. So perhaps that colored my opinion of what Jonathan did. I was always somewhat jealous, if I'm honest, that I didn't get to be the firstborn. I mean, Jonathan didn't choose to be the firstborn. He just happened to be the firstborn. He didn't do anything special to make that happen. He just was. And so as I saw him living in a way that not only would keep him from becoming king, but would break up the kingdom as we knew it, well, I struggled to understand. You see, Jonathan may have been the son of Saul, but he was also the friend of David. I don't know if you know who David is. Most of us do. There's been stories told about David since I was little. But David, David he was anointed in a way that I didn't understand when Jonathan was my age. He was anointed in a way that let Jonathan know that God's plans for him were different than our plans for him. And what I learned about my brother as I grew older was that Jonathan didn't put any weight whatsoever in what his father thought he should do and what the world thought he should do, and what his brothers thought he should do. No, Jonathan placed all of the importance in his life on one thing. One thing. Looking back, people will tell you it was his friendship with David, but that's not it. Because this journey for Jonathan began before his friendship with David. No, the one thing Jonathan put all of his might into was his identity as child of God. We were all religious. We all believed in God. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of our ancestors, the God who brought our ancestors out of Egypt into the place that we now got to live. This God is somebody that we all believe in. 
But Jonathan took that belief to another level, a level I couldn't understand because Jonathan allowed his belief in God, his sonship to God, to rule his life. I'd never seen anything like that before. I know we all say that God's in charge, but most of us want to participate in that plan. Most of us want to help make things happen the way we think they should happen. But not my brother. Not my brother. In fact, his ability to give himself to God began way before David even came on the scene. There was a time that he and his armor bearer, just the two of them, took on a whole camp of Philistines. I don't know if you know, but the Philistines are the people who we fight for land with. They're the people who, if they got their way, we wouldn't be a people anymore. And Jonathan showed his ability to be a warrior, his ability to lead, his ability to follow, not this world, but God. On a beautiful day when he decided that God was told him to go into this camp and to make a battle happen. And he did. Not at the behest of my father, not at the behest of my father's commander at arms, no. But because God told him to do it. And he was successful. He was so successful that my father was beyond surprised that this happened. Because he hadn't ordained it, but God had. And this moment in time made Jonathan so popular with our people. We get a lot of news about David being popular and about how much people loved David, but we forget how much people loved my brother, how much he did for us in battle. He was a mighty warrior. But then came the moment of David and Goliath, and it's like we forgot all of the rest of it. David didn't fight Goliath, the Philistine, until after my brother had already taken care of a whole camp of them, just him and his armor bearer. I remember when those things happened, being really angry at Jonathan for not standing up for himself, for not making himself more known, for not reminding people who he was. The son of a king, a mighty warrior, a great leader. Instead, Jonathan would tell me day after day, it's not my will, it's God's that I need to follow. It's not my plan for my life that I need to follow, it's God's plan for my life that I need to follow. And I could see what that was doing. It was taking the kingship out of our family. All of a sudden, David wasn't just a member of the court. David became somebody that my father hated. David became a divisive person in our family, and my father hated him, hated him so much, was so afraid of David that he hunted him down, tried again and again to kill him. And you want to know the only reason why he wasn't successful? My brother. My brother. The king's son, the king's firstborn son, the rightful heir to the throne. David was not the rightful heir to the throne. David was a nobody from a nobody family. 
Yet my brother deeply believed that God's plan was for David to be king. My brother deeply believed in God's plan and surrendered, surrendered his own hopes, his own dreams, the thing that he was raised for. He surrendered it to God's plan for his life which I still don't understand, but I'm, I'm getting to the point because God's plan for his life was to play second fiddle to a nobody. God's plan for Jonathan's life was for Jonathan to play interference between my father and somebody who was going to take over the kingship. That wasn't my brother. And in those moments, I struggled so hard to understand why Jonathan was so devoted to God's plan. It's like he took the word obedience, which to me, even today, I struggle with. Obedience to me is necessarily a bad word. It means I have to submit myself to somebody else. Who likes doing that? I don't. I find no joy in submitting my plans, my hopes, my dreams what I could become to the will of somebody else. Not only somebody else, but somebody I can't see. Somebody who doesn't really talk to me. Somebody who's not a part of my everyday life. I'm giving up everything that I am for that? Obedience to that? That's never the way my brother looked at it. That is never the way Jonathan treated his relationship and his identity as son of God. No, it's as if Jonathan took obedience and understood it not to be submission, but understood it to be respect, acceptance of the one who is greater than him. And Jonathan did it gladly every day. Now, he wasn't perfect. I can't say that. But boy, did he try to do his best to follow God's plan for him. And when we buried Jonathan, because honestly, that's the way it turned out. Our plan for Jonathan was for him to be the king, to rule a kingdom. And it seems that God's plan led to death. I was so angry when he died. I was so angry when he died. My brother had so much life left to live. My brother had given himself to God every single day. My brother had given up what was rightfully his to follow God's plan, and he ends up dead? dead. And for so many years after his death, all I could think of was how is that plan better, better than the plan that this world had for my brother? How is death better than being a king? How is death better than having a family and getting to live with it and getting to live every day with those that you love? It's taken me so much time to reconcile my anger with God, with Jonathan for following God. But I can see now 
how living in the background instead of being front and center as king, Jonathan changed the world. By following God's plan instead of accepting what the world had planned for him, Jonathan made sure that David stayed alive. And what I have seen under the kingship of David, who honestly is not perfect either, but what I have seen under his rule is a flourishing that I don't know that we could have expected. But I know it would not have happened if my brother had not submitted his life to something bigger than himself. And so now I'm left without my brother, without my father, who also died. I'm left to wonder what that means to me. What can I do to honor what my brother did? Who can I be in this world to live into his footsteps? of accepting my place as child of God, accepting God's plan for me. It's hard. There have been many years when there's nothing that I wanted to do less than follow God. But now, as I see Jonathan's legacy being lived out, as I see the sacrifices he made and following God become fruitful. I'm learning to live into that ugly word myself. I'm learning, I'm learning to become obedient, to understand that obedience is not ugly, that obedience is not merely submission to somebody else's plan, but like my brother, that obedience is respect to the one who created it all, Obedience is accepting that God is going to use our lives if we submit to God. And God's going to use those lives to change the world, to change our families, to change our community. And I want to do that for my brother. I want to do that to honor what he did. I want to do that to honor what he was trying to teach me while he was alive and I didn't get it till far after he was gone. I want to be like Jonathan, wholly submitted to God's plan for him so that I can live into God's best plan for me. Because what I think Jonathan knew that none of us really got is that it didn't end with death. His life did not end with death. day because of the work he did with God. And now, now he gets to be with God. The worst that this world threw at him did nothing to stop who he was. And for me. So I'm going to try my best to stop living into the world's expectations of me and to plan for my life. Let us pray. God, 
Jonathan gave up so much in belief that you had a different plan. Jonathan gave up what was rightfully his by the standards of this world in order to accept and receive the life that you wanted for him. God, we pray that you would teach us each how to submit our lives as fully as Jonathan submitted his life to you. God, teach us that the end goal isn't this world, an achievement in this world, but that the end goal is to glorify you and to make your name known in this world and to live with you forever in a place that is perfect. Train our hearts, Lord, to seek you, to seek you first, and to seek you always. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.